verse 16 through 18. Let us read God's holy word. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. Verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but that your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. Amen. May we be blessed by the reading of God's Word this morning. As you've been with us, we've been journeying through the Sermon on the Mount. We've been in this sermon series for about 30 weeks now, and we're a little over halfway. Uh, We'll have uh, just a few more after Easter to trek through. Uh, As you're praying for me, uh, my goal and hope right now is to either walk us through verse by verse, uh, through First Corinthians or through the book of Colossians. I'm still seeking the Lord to see what He would have for us through that after uh, we're done with this series. Uh, we'll take a break next week as we celebrate Easter together. We'll be in for next week. If you want to study and look at Luke chapter 24, we're going to look at two men uh, that left uh, the most beautiful, amazing event in all of creation and headed the other way and how so often we're like... Uh, a Cleopas, and I call him no name because he's not named in the Bible. We'll look at that story and look at how it relates to us as we celebrate Easter. Uh, because in that story, Jesus arrives again and invites them back uh, to uh, fellowship and relationship with him. We'll look at that uh, Easter uh, Sunday. So please study that, Luke chapter 24. We'll look at that next week. But we're here in uh, the sermon series, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. If you've been with us, we've been talking about uh, in this three chapters, uh, just as the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he calls his disciples to himself, and in calling his disciples to himself, he says, you are to be in my kingdom. You are now kingdom citizens. When you come from death to light, you're transformed, and you become, I become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And then he begins to tell us what that looks like. And we looked in the first several verses, the, uh, verses 3 through 12 of chapter 5, we looked at what it looked like for the character Our character as kingdom citizens, that's the beatitude. What does our character look like? And then we took a a while, uh, one week to look at what does it mean? Once we have this character, our character is going to cause us to have influence into a dark world. That's the whole reason that we're called out of darkness into light, that we could go back into the darkness. He tells us that in Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. He says, now that your character, now that who you are has changed as kingdom citizens, be an influence in this dark and light, uh, this dark and, and lost world. And then over the last few weeks and months, we've looked at what does it look like to be righteous, the righteous uh, kingdom citizens, or what does our righteousness look like? We looked at anger, we looked at lust, we looked at divorce, we looked at our oaths, we looked at retaliation, we looked at love, uh, and then we began to transition in after that. We looked at now he brought us from our moral righteousness. Now, over the last three weeks, we've looked at our religious righteousness. If you've been with us, we looked the first at giving, verses 1 through 4. What is it like? He says these three sayings over and over again. And when you, and when you, and when you. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. That's our religious righteousness. That we do have a righteousness that is 
religion, that we do have a way to be kingdom citizens in our relationship with God that is religious in a healthy way, unlike the Pharisees. And Jesus is telling us this because he knows through these three things that our religious righteousness will affect all of our relationships. Right? We looked a few weeks ago at giving, how giving affects our relationships with others. Right? When I give, I'm giving for other people so that they may be blessed by me and by the Lord. The last two weeks through the Lord's Prayer, we've looked at when we pray, it affects our relationship with God. Right? The whole thing about the prayer of the disciples' prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is about our relationship with God or our right understanding of who God is, the holiness of God, the glory of God. That's what the whole uh, prayer is about over and over and over again. It's about the glory of God. And so it affects our relationship with God. And last, as we'll look at this morning, fasting will affect our relationship with ourselves. Our fasting will always show us our great neediness. We've been talking about that throughout this sermon series. Uh, we are needy people in need of a big God to do what only God can do for us. And we'll look at that this morning. We'll look at uh, fasting this morning. Fasting has to do everything with the heart. Remember, this whole sermon series, the whole Sermon on the Mount is about the heart. You see, because Jesus knows if the heart isn't changed, that the actions don't matter. That's what was going on with the, the Pharisees. The Pharisees had all the right actions. They did everything externally right, but it came from a wicked place. Therefore, their actions didn't matter. And so even in fasting, we're going to look at the heart. This is what he tells us in John 5.44. John 5.44, he says this, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from only God? He's saying if our righteousness acts only have to do with other people, then we'll never see the glory of God. We just won't. We'll see the glory of man and receive the glory of man, but we'll never receive God's glory. We'll never see the gift that God has to give us in our righteousness when our hearts are changed. The Sermon on the Mount has everything to do with our hearts. I can't say that enough. I won't say that enough. Um, my hope and prayer has been over the last 30 weeks, God, that you would do something in me and in the church about our hearts. That God, you would change our hearts. It can only be God that changes the hearts. And so this morning, we'll look at the last example that he says about our righteousness. Those are three, he's given us three examples about what righteous uh, religion looks like. That's what this, he's doing this examples. And so the last one is fasting. We'll look at this. This is the only place in the Bible that uh, fasting is really talked about in detail. And as we see, it's not really that much in detail. It gives us two very, uh, three very short verses about fasting. But we'll see, and we'll get to it uh, halfway through this sermon, is that we'll see over and over and over and over that God calls us to fast. You see, God is going to give us the gift of fasting because in our fasting, it's always going to reveal our neediness. And so He calls us as believers to be reminded of how needy we are for Him and no other better way to do that than through fasting. There's only one place in the Bible uh, that talks about fasting uh, as a command. It comes in Leviticus. Leviticus, the only place that it talks about that they are to fast, that they must fast, is over the Day of Atonement. It's what 
uh, we celebrate in our Lord's death and resurrection. The Day of Atonement was the day that the Israelites had atonement for their sins, and so they'd go to God through fasting so that their sins would be atoned for, and putting uh, the death of a blameless, spotless lamb, they would kill a lamb, that was the Day of Atonement, Passover, and so they were to fast. That's the only place in the Bible that we see uh, fasting as a command. So we'll start here in verse 16. What does the Lord Jesus have to tell us this morning about fasting? My hope and prayer is that uh, last week when you were here, you uh, partook somehow, some way in fasting with us. This morning we will uh, break our fast through the, the Lord's Supper this morning. Again, it's a way to remind ourselves of how needy we are for the Lord. Even this morning when we come to the Lord's Supper, it's to remind us that this uh, blood and this body that was shed and broken for us was for our need, our need to be redeemed from sin. And so this morning we come, and I, my prayer is that you took that prayer, God, and you prayed over that prayer, God, for us, and that you fasted, and in our fasting, we were crying out to God, we need God. Do we believe that this morning, church? We need God this morning, and a way to remind ourselves is through fasting. So what does the Lord Jesus have to say to us about fasting this morning? It says this again, and when you fast, Circle the word fast. It simply means, the Greek word simply means not to eat and to stain from food. And so what was happening in that day is that the Pharisees, the religious people, the leaders were fasting. They fasted a lot. But what they had done, like they had done with prayer and like they had done with giving, was to take fasting and make it into something that other people would look at them and give them praise instead of giving praise to God. That's why he says, and when you fast, do not be like what? The hypocrites. The word hypocrites means to be an actor. Do not act as if you are fasting when you are really not fasting. You, you see, the Pharisees were trying to gain merit with God through fasting. They were trying to pay penance, if you will. But they were also trying to gain other people's approval through fasting. The Pharisees would fast twice a week. They would fast on Mondays and Thursdays. You may ask, how come Mondays and Thursdays? I'm glad you asked that question. The, the two things. Uh, the, they believed first and foremost that Monday and Thursday were the day that Moses went on to uh, the mountain to receive the commandments. So the first day he went was supposedly a, a Monday, and he went up to the, 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 the mountain of God, and God gave him the Ten Commandments. If you know the story, he came down off the mountain, he saw their idolatry, he got hacked off, took the commandments, broke them into pieces, and then God said, no, no, come back up here. These people need my commandments. And so supposedly it was on a Thursday when they went back up, when he went back up into the mountain to receive the commandments again. But my belief is this. I think it's for the second reason more than the first reason. You see, the second reason that the Pharisees fasted on Mondays and Thursdays was that was the most busiest day at market. So how come they would choose to fast on the busiest day of the market? It's because they would then go to the market fasting. It's what Jesus says don't do. He says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Do not disfigure your faces, for their fasting may be seen by others. And so they would do fasting on Mondays and Thursdays and look disheveled and go into the market. So what? That other people would begin to ask, hey, are you fasting? Man, you must be really holy because you're fasting again. 
it'd be like for us to go on the busiest day to the supermarket. Now, for me, every day is a busy day at the supermarket. I, I just don't get that. There's no rhyme or reason to any supermarket uh, other than take all my money. I love how they do the cereal aisle. I don't know if you've seen how clever they are. They put all the sweet stuff right at Tennyson's eye level. I'm like, you could put like, you know, Cheerios, shredded wheats there, something. But no, they got to put, uh, you know, all the, the sugary stuff. And so for us, it'd be like us going on a, on a Sunday. Most people shop and get ready on a Sunday, and they go to the market on Sunday to get ready. So it would be like us going to um, Publix or to Kroger to shop on Sunday and as if we've been fasting and look gloomy and people would begin to question us. And so for us, God is saying to us, do, do not be actors. When you fast, don't put on a gloomy face. Don't draw attention to yourself. It's real easy when we fast to draw attention to ourselves. We can go out of our way to let everyone know that we're fasting, and that's not what Jesus is saying to us. He's calling us to fast. And so what is the proper way for us to fast? We'll look at six examples of that this morning uh, throughout the Scripture. But Jesus does say again in verse 17, but when you fast, when you go without Food. Well, what are some reasons that we may go without food? I want to look at six examples from the Bible that we may choose to fast from this morning. The first one is this. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 14 through chapter 9, 14 through 15. It says this. And then the disciples, John came to him, Jesus, and saying, Why do you, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So he's even saying here, hey, your disciples aren't fasting. There was a reason that disciples were not fasting even in that day. And he says to them, and Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast. And so the first thing that we see, there is a reason that we fast. It's in mourning. Do we fast when we mourn? That's what this passage is telling us in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. He's saying, the disciples have no reason to mourn because I'm still with them, but there's a day that will come when I'm no longer with them, and then they will fast in their mourning. The next one is quite like it. It's sorrow. Sorrow is different than mourning because sorrow has this deep grief that's associated with unlike mourning, that when we, we're sorrowful over something, there's this plea within our hearts. We see that David himself fasted. If you know the story, we'll look at it again in another one. In, in uh, first and Second Samuel, that David was a king. And in being a king, he was on the roof of his house. And in being the king and on the roof of his house, he saw this beautiful woman named Bathsheba. And he called Bathsheba to himself. They slept together. They became, uh, she became with child. And then the prophet Nathan came to David and said, Hey, you're the guy that's caused this sin. And you, you're the guy. And he says, because you've sinned, you will not have the child that she is bearing now. She will lose the child. The child will die. And what do we see David do in 2 Samuel, verse 12 through 6, uh, 2 Samuel 12, 16? It says, David therefore sought God on the behalf of the child. There was this deep sorrow that David knew his son was going to die. And so he seeks God through fasting. 
And David fasted and went, went in all night on the ground, fasting and pleading with the Lord in deep sorrow. So the first two things, in our mourning, we are to fast. And if we're sorrowful, we are to fast. The third one is this, danger or fear. We see that when people face fearful things that are beyond their control, they go before holy God to fast, to plead with him, to show up for them in their most fearful moments. I don't know about you, but in my most fearful moments, I like to eat. Food is a comfort thing for me. And so Jesus is going to tell us through the Bible that even in our fasting is to come away from our comfort to go back to our dependency, even in our most fearful places. We see this in the book of Esther. If you know about the book of Esther, Esther was taken in to be with the king and the king was about to do some things to the Jews and Esther pleaded and began to cry out to God out of her fear that the king was going to do something to her people. She, being in the king's court, calls to the Jewish people in their fear and says, hey, in our fear, let us fast before the Lord. That the Lord may do something in our fast, in our most fearful moment. It's found in Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days and nights or days. I, my young women, will, will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, it's the Lord's will. And so what, what we are to do, if we're, there's moments in our lives that we come before a holy God in much fear and trembling, will we fast? Again, these three so far will show us our dependence on the Lord. The next one is this, repentance. Over and over again, we see the people of God fasting and seeking God's forgiveness for their sin. We see that in what we just read a few moments ago in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16. You, you remember the story of David. David had just sinned. He had just lost his son, and he still is fasting for the Lord and crying out to God in his fast through his repentance. If you remember uh, several months ago, we studied the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah, the, the city of Nineveh, they cried out to God. God sent Jonah into Nineveh and said to Nineveh, Hey, I'm about to destroy you because of your sin. And in that moment in chapter 3, the, the people in Nineveh believed God was going to destroy them because of their sin. And the, the people in Nineveh took up a fast and pleaded out to a holy God in their repentance. I know for me, for me, I, I don't know if I've ever shared this story anywhere. Uh, but it was eight years ago. And I was struggling with sexual sin and God had laid on to my heart, hey, you need to fast for a week. And I was like, oh man, no, come on. And I was fasting that whole week and crying out to God for forgiveness and for God's deliverance and God's forgiveness and God's deliverance over and over again for seven days. And at the end, I broke the fast, and I was like, well, that didn't do any good. But it was about a week later, and God answered my prayer in a way I never wanted him to answer the prayer. I got caught in my sexual sin, but it came out of a direct relationship with my fast 
to God. That is not how I wanted God to answer my prayer. I wanted to wake up one morning and poof, it all be gone, and that's not how it happened. But I so believe that that fast to God for those seven days and pleading out to Him through repentance, that a week later He delivered me from sexual sin in a manner that I would have never have asked for. You see, when we begin to get serious about our sin, God's going to get serious with us. And I promise this, God isn't always going to answer our prayer the way we hope it to be answered, but he will answer our prayer. He will take extreme measures for our sin to be eradicated from our life. How do we know that? That's what we're going to celebrate next week at the cross. He took an extreme measure in us repenting. He sent his son to redeem us. And so will we take extreme measures even this morning, if there's sin in your life that's gone unconfessed. My prayer is that you've joined us in this fast and that this morning, in joining in this fast, that the Lord will answer your prayer and give you forgiveness, but also bring you to a place of continual repentance. The next thing that we see is that in our fasting, we receive and proclaim a special revelation. This it happened to Daniel and Daniel chapter 9, verse 2 and 3. Daniel goes before the Lord and Daniel's crying out to the Lord and he's fasting for the Lord and he takes the words of Jeremiah the prophet and he says to the people of God, that's an amazing prayer in, Jer- in Daniel chapter 9 about the people of God, but it comes out of his fasting and crying out that God will give him a fresh word. And so if you want a fresh word from the Lord, maybe it is that you need to fast to hear from the Lord. How come again? Because when we fast from the Lord, our fasting will show our neediness and our neediness will seek God in ways we've never sought Him before. And in seeking Him, He promises us over and over again, He will be found. Amen? And so if you want a special word from the Lord, maybe you need to fast. The last one is this. I believe this to be true for us here at Palace Chapel. I believe that we, as the people of God, the people... Here at Powell's Chapel, we must partake in fasting more than we ever have before. I believe this is to be true for us. The sixth one is this, to start something new. A start of something new. You see, that's what Jesus did in uh, Matthew chapter 4, 1 and 2. You remember that Jesus was led, it says in John and Matthew chapter 4, 1 and 2, that then Jesus was led by what? The Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the, by the devil. Verse 2. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, you see, Jesus went before his holy God, his father, for 40 days and 40 nights before he ever uttered a word publicly. Before he ever, he was here on this planet 30 years, and then right before he was to enter into his public ministry to take God's word, the whole reason he had come, he went alone with God for 40 days and sought God's face over and over and over again. And then at the end of the 40 days, he was tempted by Satan, but he overcame the temptation. I believe directly related to his intimacy with God through the 40 days of fasting. And then you see his earthly ministry for the next three and a half years. But Jesus himself sought God to start something new. You see, Jesus had had come to the planet 
to do something new. You see, what had happened was that the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had began to teach the people of God ways and things that were not of God. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I don't come here to do away with it all, but I come to fulfill it all. He came to start a new ministry. But even Jesus himself sought God through fasting. Again, you'll see over and over, if you read throughout the Bible, anywhere it talks about fasting, it always has to do with prayer. It's not just about losing weight. It's not just about depriving ourselves. Our prayer life and our fasting must be tied together. I love what John MacArthur says about this. He says this, in every spiritual account, genuine fasting is linked to prayer. Get this, you can, not, you can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast biblically without praying. Let me read that one more time. You can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast without praying. Fasting is always linked with a pure heart. And it must be associated with what? Obedience and godly living. So for us this morning, it's not just that we want to fast. It's not just that we want to give. It's not just that we want to pray. But we want to do all these things in obedience as we seek a holy God. And it's going to show us over and over and over again our neediness for a holy God. And so as we fast, I pray that we would become a people here at Powell's Chapel that would seek God in our prayer life, but we'd couple that with fasting. That in our fasting, we would be reminded over and over again how much we're in need of God. You, you see, we can come and we do this every month. We take the Lord's Supper every month. And my prayer has been since day one that, God, we wouldn't just do this because we've always done it. But even this morning, as we begin to get our hearts ready for, for the Lord's Supper, that we would recognize how needy we are of a holy God. We need God. One of my mentors always would say this. If God doesn't show up, we're doomed. And in our fasting, it will remind us, if God doesn't show up, I'm doomed. If God doesn't supply all of my needs, I'm in big trouble. And the way we do that, we fast. And then when we begin to get those hunger pains, is what is a reminder to us to go before a holy God to do something for us that we cannot do on our own. You see, since day one, our goal, my goal of coming to Powell's Chapel has always been to reach this community. It's always been to reach the lost people that are far from Jesus. And we cannot do that on our own. We can put the best Easter festival. We can have the best VBS. We can have the best fall festival from here to kingdom come. But that will not matter if we do not have a dependence that God does it for us. And so we're crying out to God. Are we begging God to do the supernatural. Because if God begins to do the supernatural, you and I can't take credit for it. And when you and I don't take credit for it, we don't take the credit, therefore we have to give the glory to God, and that's what God is all about. We serve a selfish God. 
I'll say it again. We serve a selfish God. God is more concerned about him than anything else on the planet. God is more concerned about his glory and his renown than anything else. The supremacy of God. The glory of God. All that God does is for his glory. I'm so grateful that we have a selfish God. Even when we come and we celebrate Easter, Easter's not about us. You see, Easter is not about us primarily. Easter is about the holiness of God, that God wanted to delight in sending His Son to us to redeem us so that we would come back and see the glory of God. It's all about Him. It's not about us. And so my prayer is this, even this morning as we come to take the Lord's Prayer, that it would remind us over and over and over and over again, every time that we take the Lord's Supper of our neediness, We are in need of a holy God. Amen. And in closing, he says this. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That simply means uh, don't be seen. That was common practice. I hope it's common practice for us as well to wash our face and to throw some cologne on. He's saying just blend in. In your fasting, just blend in. And in blending in, it's no longer about receiving glory from man, but you will receive honor and praise from God. And in closing, he says this, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When we do things with the right heart and the right motive to give glory to God, there will always be an award, reward for us. Always. But if we do it for man, there will always be that reward for us too. And so this morning, as you give and as you pray and as you fast, as we close out this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, are we doing things for the glory of man or for the glory of God? Let us pray. God, I pray for us this morning. We come to the Lord's Supper. I pray again, God, that you would use your Supper, the Lord's Supper, as a reminder of our great neediness to you. God, I pray for us this week as we're in Passion Week, Holy Week, God, that we be reminded again of our neediness. The whole reason that you came was because of our great need for a Savior. We're so grateful for that. I pray for any of us, God, that are lost and desperate and hopeless without a shepherd, that this morning we'd see you as the great shepherd. Continue to lead us and guide us. Thank you so much for all that you've already done in this service. Now be blessed as we take your supper. Praise in Christ's name.